Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Holly and I, for the last couple of months, have kind of been seeing this weekend as a celebration of the last 10 years, but also the kicking off of the next 25. And because we're starting the next 25 years, we're starting a new series this weekend. And this series we're starting came from a moment that I had with the Lord in London three and a half years ago by myself in a holiday inn in the middle of the day, and no one knew about it. And I feel like the Lord gave me a burden for a word that I had never really, I had noticed it in scripture, but I'd never really been wowed by it. And it's this word pillar. And off and on I've been studying it since that day in the Holiday Inn in London. And it's the burden I feel for it is growing and growing and growing. And so for the next couple of months, we're actually gonna take a look at this very scriptural word, pillar. Because what I didn't know is it appears as though this one word describes the life I want to live as much or more than any other word in scripture. And so we're gonna take a look at all of the different uses of this word because there are some incredibly holy uses for the word pillar in scripture. So the, the title of this series is Pillar People. Pillar People. And since this is the first message of the next 25 years, I can't think of a better message to declare before the Lord where I and we are pushing all of our chips. It's the presence of God. The title of this weekend's message is The Number One Thing. This is the number one thing. It's not my opinion. I believe that this book bears it out. And we're going to take a look at the life of Moses. But we're going to kind of reverse engineer. Because this was a man who got it. And there was a journey he was on in order to get the revelation about God's presence. So I'm going to show you that he had it. And then we're going to walk backwards and take a look at how he got it. And then we're going to do our best to apply what we learn about this man named Moses, whom God considered to be one of his friends. And we're going to see if we can apply it so that we might become known by the God of the universe as one of his friends, not just one of his children. First thing I want you to see, Moses learned or knew life's most important lesson. This is the most important one-liner in the entire message. My, my professors at GCU would say, don't show them this this early on. But if you tune out the rest of the message, just listen to this part right here. The number one priority, this is it. The presence of God should be the number one priority of man. Doesn't mean it is, but it should be. Exodus chapter 33, let me give you the backstory. One of my favorite chapters, because it's significant to me, the Lord used it in my life years ago, before we even started the church. God and Moses are in a conversation. And Moses says to God, you keep telling me you're taking me to the land of the promise, but you're not telling me who's going with me. Okay, I was having this exact conversation with the Lord 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Since I was 18, I knew God had been saying, one day you'll go back to Scottsdale. 
to start a church. So we've been talking about the land of the promise for me. But 11 years ago, no one was coming with us. This was before Cody. This was before anybody. I wanted Brooke, who's now on our staff. I'd worked with her for years. I wanted her to come with us. And she said no. And we see who God listened to the most. <laughs> She's here now. But when she said no, something happened. And I started griping at the Lord. Just like Moses. You keep telling me about the land of the promise, but you're not telling me who's going with me. And listen to God's response to him. God says, how about I personally go with you, Moses? And I will give you rest. And everything will go well for you. This is a crazy moment. But I want you to see how crazy Moses' response in this moment is. Because think about if God just told you, for the rest of your life, everything's going to go well for you. And no matter how hard this climb gets, I'm going to give you rest. Listen to what Moses says in response to this promise. Then Moses said, God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? Listen to this next line. For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Moses literally says to God, I don't want to go to the place of the promise if the prize that is your presence isn't going to. I don't care about the promise. I want your presence. I don't care what God does this next 25 years. I just want him to be here and I want him to be pleased. I don't care. I really don't. I used to, I don't. I just want him to be here. And I want the entire city and valley to encounter Jesus in a way they cannot verbalize. And that's not just gonna be through our church. There are churches all over this valley chasing after the God of the universe with pure and innocent hearts, calling on the name of the Lord, standing on the word of God. I wanna see it happen in my lifetime. I want it to be impossible to live in this valley and not have a personal encounter with the God of the universe. Moses got it. He said, I don't, I don't even care about the promise. I want your presence. And if your presence isn't going, don't make me leave where I am. Here's the deal. Moses says, it's your presence that sets me and your people apart from everybody else. But I want us to focus on the man because I've spent over the years some time studying the people in scripture whom God considered to be a friend. And there's something that you kind of find in this. That the humans God seemed closest to seem to have set the goal of being the human closest to God. It was like they had something in their heart where they, not, not to be better than anybody, but they just had something deep in their heart that said, by the time I die, I want to be known as the one who was closer to God than anyone else. Not by the rest of the world, but by the God of the universe. That should be the cry of all of our hearts. That's my number one goal. By the time I die, I want him to look in my direction and say, nobody pursued me more than him. I don't know that I can attain it. There's so many out there who love him in ways that are so far beyond me, but it's the cry of my heart. I want him to consider me a friend. And listen, it wasn't that God loved these people more than anybody else. 
It's simply that they pursued him more than everybody else. That's James chapter four, verse eight. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. My favorite hobby in all the earth is the presence of God. Moses knew life's most important lesson. That the presence of God should be the number one priority of man. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Moses took seriously the place where God met with him. He didn't just take the present seriously. He took the place where God met with him quite seriously. Go back a couple verses. Remember, we're reverse engineering. Exodus 33, verses 7 through 10. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting. This is a phenomenal phrase right here, the tent of meeting. This is how I see my space back here that you can't see. Connected to my office. It's a closet. You would, would walk into it and go, that's a closet. And I, standing behind you, would say, no, it's not. It's a tent of meeting. It looks like a closet to you, but I assure you, it is a tent to me. And it seems like to the God of the universe as well. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance away from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, here's the first time we'll see this word pillar. The pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tent. When the people saw the pillar, remember, this was the angel of the Lord. This was God. He led his people through the wilderness. A pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. When the people saw the pillar, they would stand up. They would stop what they were doing, stand up and do this. And I just want you to get this picture. Moses took where he met with God and where God met with him so seriously that everybody else in Israel took it serious too. I just want you to see this picture. He'd get his tent and he would walk through the lobby of tents of the rest of the Israelites. And here's how I imagine it. He's got his tent under his arm and he's going away from all the tents. And you know there are some people, after they had seen this go down a couple of times, they were going, whoa, whoa, hey, hey, stop, stop. It's about to happen. It's about to happen. Stop what you're doing. Moses has that look on his face. He's got that look. The pillar's about to descend. God's about to meet with him. Moses took the place where he met with God so seriously. Some get a little confused and, and think the tent of meeting is the tabernacle. The tabernacle hadn't been built yet. It was being constructed, but Moses couldn't wait. So he set up his own tent of meeting. I, I, I was talking about months ago, it probably was about having alone time with the Lord and, and online, a woman asked the question, she's like, I don't have room in my apartment. I don't have an extra room, so what do I do? And she's probably watching this. And so here's what I would say to you, you don't need extra space to make it special space. Just lay down a blanket, marking out a spot in your apartment that is holy, altogether separate from the rest of the space in your apartment. 
and special things will happen between you and God. If you make a place special for God, I assure you, special things will happen between you and God there. It doesn't have to be sexy, it just has to be special. You will walk in and go, Preston, that's a closet. It's not my job to convince you. I know it's not the most extravagant thing on the planet, but it is because God meets me there. It's the tent of meeting. Let me show you just a couple of things that we see that kind of affirm that Moses took the place where he met with God and where God met with him seriously. First, consistency. At the beginning of verse seven, it was Moses' practice. Moses had figured out, I'm convinced of it, that it is impossible to have intimacy without consistency. It's impossible. That's in every relationship. It's impossible for me to experience intimate relationship with my oldest son without consistent pursuit on my part and his. Same with God. I I, want to be closer to God. Well, fire up the consistency muscle. And I'm talking about in a religious way. I'm talking about in a you can't sit still kind of a way. I love talking with y'all after this service. But I love once I'm done and I go back in there to reset, to be alone with the God of the universe. And the little boy in me is like, I love talking to these new people, but not nearly as much as I like talking to you. And it's not that I don't love the new people, quote unquote. Love them, love them all. Jesus died for them. Grateful they're here. But something special happens every time I make time for God and God alone. Moses was consistent. It was his practice. The people saw him do it over and over and over again. What you're most consistent with reveals what you can't live without. Don't tell me you're not a consistent person. I have seen some of your coffee routines. Don't tell me you're not consistent. I've watched it. Don't tell me you don't know how to do religious routine because you are religious about your coffee routine. Let me just remind you, you can do both at the same time. It's amazing, once that espresso hits my tongue, it's like the angels start singing. So I might as well just take a few minutes to be alone with the Lord. But you, you already understand how to be consistent. You just need to apply it to the most important thing, practicing the presence of God. That's how Brother Lawrence said it. Here's the second thing you see from Moses that helps us see how serious he was. He cut the cords of distraction. Not only was it his practice, he would go some distance outside the camp. Have you ever been on a a vacation where your cell phone didn't work well? This just happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was fishing in an undisclosed location. Every once in a while when somebody asks me, Preston, I hear your fishing trips are pretty great. Where, Where did you catch the fish? I have the same answer every time somebody asks me, in the mouth. The fishermen in the room understand what I mean. I'm not telling you where I fish, because then I wouldn't catch as many fish. But when I was on that trip, there were spots where we would go where my phone wouldn't work. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to hear God when you don't have any other distractions? When my phone is turned off, 
and I can't, I can't hear the conversation man wants to have with me. It's amazing how easy it is to hear the conversation the God of the universe wants to have with me. Same goes with social media. I know, I get in trouble, but let me just, if, if, if you feel like, and there are all kinds of addictions, social media can be an addiction. What does it say to God if I spend more time trying to hear what everyone else is saying right now than I do trying to press in to hear what God alone is saying right now? I have trouble hearing God's voice. Well, you know how to hear everybody else's voice. You spend a lot of time scrolling through their social media page. Take the same principle and apply it to God. Here's a social media page. Get you some. Come and get it. You just scroll a different direction. Do not read into this swiping left. <laughs> God loves a distraction-free space because it makes it easier for you to see his face and hear his voice. Here's the next thing I want you to see. God takes seriously the place where he meets with man. Look in verse 11 of Exodus 33. Inside the tent of meeting, in other words, not everywhere else, inside this special place, Moses would set up to meet with God. Inside that place, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This, this is crazy. That this is even a possibility boggles my mind. That I could set up a place where the God of the universe would come speak to me as a friend. Moses had it. He got it. But I think the reason he was so serious about setting up that special place with God is he got a revelation of how serious God takes the special place where he met with Moses. God took that place seriously. Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. Have the people, God says, of Israel build me a holy, an altogether separate sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. God spends eight chapters telling Moses and the people how he wants the room set up where he's going to meet with man. I've heard some people look at this and go, that is overkill. No, it's not. It's romantic. The more important the meeting is, the more crucial it is to prepare the space where something holy will take place. Eight chapters God spends saying, this is how I want it to smell when he comes into the room to meet with me. He's not just showing he's the God of details. He's the God of intimacy. He wants intimate fellowship with you. Let me go a little bit further. The most romantic beginning of any book which will ever be written is Genesis 1 and 2 where God goes on record revealing the extravagance of his preparing the place where he would first meet with man. Like we, we, we think it's just so we can understand science better. Yeah, I get all of that. But go deeper, look further. It's romantic, it's intimate. God was preparing the place where he was going to first meet with man. 
He didn't just show up, he prepared the place. If you ask me for my opinion, I will tell you the way I see this last 10 years. God has been preparing this place for thousands of meetings between himself and man. That's all, and I don't mean to underestimate or minimize the last 10 years. That's what he's been doing. In the same way he spent the first two chapters preparing the space where he would meet with man for the first time, I believe he's preparing, been preparing this place for holy encounters with you over the next 25 years or however long God has you here. It has always been God's heart to meet with man. Here's the problem though. Man chooses to miss most of the meetings. I don't wanna step on any toes, okay? I get that we are the church. I've heard that my whole life. I grew up a PK. I've heard people say, the church isn't a building. It's a people. I totally agree. But don't underestimate or minimize the place. God was the one in Deuteronomy who went on record and said, you will worship me in the place where I myself choose. This is why I tell people, this is why we have a wall in the lobby that says, don't come here. You can't show me in scripture that man got to choose where he went. God said, Preston, this is the place I have for you. This is it. This is where my anointing will rest for you and your family. This is why I tell people, I love it that you love it here, but only love it because God told you to be here. And hear my heart, I will never hold you like this. And I don't wanna say this the wrong way, I probably shouldn't even say this, but if I can let go of J. Cody Carnes, I can let go of you. One of the hardest things I had to do was hear God the first couple years and sit down with him and his new bride and say, I think God's calling you somewhere else. I don't ever wanna hold on to anyone that doesn't belong to me. You don't belong to me, so I will never hold on to you. And I don't want you to come here if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you here. Because that means there's somewhere else God has a special anointing to minister to you, but also to put upon you to use your gifts to minister to his people in a lost and dying world. Here's the next thing I want you to see. Oh, let me, let me say this. If you struggle to meet with God consistently, this was so sweet when I feel like he gave me, gave me this this week. Do you realize out of all the meetings God has on his calendar this week, just try and wrap your mind. I mean, I know you have a busy week. You've got some important meetings. But I just want you to try and wrap your mind around all the meetings he has scheduled already. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. And this is especially for you if you feel like out of all the people in the world, you're the person God should meet the least with. I want you to hear this. God's favorite meeting of the week is his meeting with you. You will spend more time alone with him consistently when you get a revelation of how seriously God takes his time with you. Genesis 1 and 2, I hope it reminds you of that for the rest of your life. Here's the next thing I want you to see. People should take seriously when a person meets with God. Exodus 5, if you're in Exodus 33 or, or 25, 
go all the way back to Exodus 5. I'll give you the, the backdrop. Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh, widely understood to be the most powerful human on the earth at this time. And they drop the infamous bomb. We have spoken with the God of the universe, and God has said, let my people go. They're saying this to the most powerful human on the earth at the time. God says, let my people go. Listen to how Pharaoh responds. Is that so? And who is the Lord? Why should I, the most powerful man on the earth, listen to him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. Watch the bomb they dropped back on his face. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Out of all the things they could have said, the fact that they had esteemed meeting privately with the God of the universe so high that it was their response to Pharaoh's arrogant response. Here's my paraphrase. Pharaoh says, I could not care less about you and your fake little God. I will not let Israel go. And they say, listen, it appears as though we're experiencing a communication problem. We have met with the God of the Hebrews who also happens to be the God of the universe. And he has met with us. I don't know if you're hearing, but your power isn't really yours, bro. We have met with the one who has all power in heaven and on earth. And you should probably listen to what we're saying. But they didn't say all of that. What they said was, the God of the universe has met with us. When was the last time that you took meeting alone with God so seriously that it was constantly coming out of your mouth? Hey, how's your day going? Bro, I had a holy moment this morning with the God of the universe. I have a call with the CEO later. But I'm just telling you, the God of the universe met with me this morning. I'm not quite sure why, and I, I'm guilty of it too, why we call it quiet time. Like, why? Because we're supposed to go in and be like, no, they spoke as friends. I think people should take seriously when somebody meets with God. Pharaoh clearly didn't. You know how it turned out for him. Here's how I feel about it. I would rather fight 10,000 of the strongest people on the earth who do not know God than have to fight one no one has ever heard of who has privately and intimately met with God. I will fight the 10,000 because I like my chances better against them without God, no matter how much strength they have. I like my chances better than having to go up against one person you have never heard of who has been meeting alone with the God of the universe while no one was watching. It's the ultimate cheat code, the presence of God. I think everybody should take a little bit more seriously when somebody meets with God. Let me just speak to the wife whose husband is not yet a believer in Jesus, 
and he mocks you every once in a while when you come home from church. Keep meeting with the God of the universe. Let me speak to the parent who's a little bit overwhelmed because their teen seems to be literally trying to burn down anything that involves God. Don't listen to everything they say. Keep meeting with the God of the universe. Don't stop meeting. Some of you thought I was going to say believing. (laughs) The older crowd. Don't stop meeting. Why would you? Do you realize you and I have no chance on this earth by ourselves? It's one of the reasons I love to spend time with him because it's my way of saying, you do realize I will drown today if we don't do this together. So I'm going to stop everything. And I'm going to take seriously the opportunity I have to meet with the God of the universe. Never underestimate what can be done by someone who has intimately met with God. Here's the last thing I want you to see. We must understand that supernatural things happen when God is in the room. Look in Exodus 3, if you're following along in your Bible. Let's read verses 1 through 5. One day... Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see this. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I think, personally, that Moses' obsessive fascination with the presence of God started the day God presented himself to Moses in the burning bush. I also think something a little bit deeper. I think God was giving Moses a picture of his plan for Moses. Moses was the burning bush, the ordinary bush. Many had walked by but had not paid attention to. But the moment God consumed the bush, that bush became altogether separate from any other bush on the earth. One of the cries of my heart for the next 25 years is that when you come into this place, when you come onto this campus or wherever else we go next, if there's a next place, 10 years from now, wherever God has us, here's one of the cries of my heart. That every time you come into the room, you encounter the God of the universe. And when God is in the room, anything can happen. I saw a raging alcoholic fall in love with Jesus. Anything can happen when God is in the room. Here's another way to say it. If everything which happens in this room is explainable, it most likely means the one doing the things in the room 
is not the God of the unfathomable. How do you explain a bush being on fire and not being consumed? There's only one answer. Him. How do you explain someone being healed of cancer in the middle of an 11 o'clock service? How do you explain a marriage so on the rocks they're physically assaulting one another. And in the nine o'clock service, they are weeping, holding on to each other for dear life. How do you explain a teenager who hates God being in the room and being so undone, they're on their face weeping? calling on the name of the Lord the one 10 minutes ago they just hated so much. If he isn't here, this is just a warehouse. But when he is here, this is one of his favorite places to meet with man. I'm not just talking about this church, I'm talking about his church. And for some of us, this is the one time of the week we go into his presence. Here's what I want you to know if that's you. I am praying for you that you spend far less time in this room in comparison to how much you spend alone in his room with you. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.